Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. I'm going to share a word that got put in my heart. Uh, this message has been uh, marinating in my heart, um, I would say maybe about, a, about three weeks to a month ago. Uh, while we were still doing the So Will I series, um, this, this message was in my heart. And I don't, I don't know if, I, if it's a sermon, if it's a teaching. I think it's more of a teaching. Um, but this, if, there's a, if there's a message and a sermon, I want you all to embrace is this one. I want you to embrace this message. Um, because I believe that uh, this message is going to help us understand life it's going to help us understand somebody say pastor take your time okay so you don't have to say it again i got you <laughs> when we come to jesus there, there's a misconception that coming to jesus is the equivalent of trial absenteeism we believe that, many people believe that if I'm in Christ, then I should not experience turbulence in life and ambivalence or uncertainty in life. Because when Christ comes, he comes to fix it all. And to a degree, that is 100% true. But understand that the God we serve is a spirit. Spirit. He is not flesh. Obviously, Jesus the Son has a glorified body. And I don't got time to explain it to that. But he's spirit. So God's focal point and his plan for us is more spiritual than it is physical. Now, Paul says, Paul says in scripture, he says that he prays that he, he, his desire is that you may prosper in all things. So there's an element of human prosperity, materialistic blessings. But that's a prayer that Paul is writing to a church. God's approach towards mankind has always been spiritual. That's why he'll say something like, I would rather you go to heaven with one arm than go to hell with two arms. Because God don't really care about the body because the body is corruptible. This is going to corrupt. But the real you is the one inside of you. And that one doesn't corrupt. That's why Jesus was okay dying at Calvary. And bruising himself. And, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. He, he, he was okay with the body, but the spirit lives forever. So when I come to Christ, when I come to Jesus, I got to understand that reality. That, that the starting point of salvation stems out of a spiritual desire for me to grow from God's perspective. But there are people that their walk with God is determined exclusively by how things happen in their environment from a human 
mundane point of view. So today, I want to talk to you based on James chapter number one. And I want to talk, my, my, my theme today is living in principle. Living in principle. And my subtopic is your faith will be tested. My message today is living in principle. My subtopic is your faith is not a matter of will because it's going to happen. Your faith will be tested. James chapter 1 is written by James. And he writes this letter. This is what we call a circular epistle. It's called a circular epistle because it was circulating. When you read verse 1 of James chapter 1, the writer says, to the 12 tribes that are scattered, grace and peace. Now, why were the tribes scattered? Well, because of the diaspora or the persecution of Rome towards the children of God. Jesus Christ, we all know the story. Jesus Christ rose from the dead upon his resurrection. 120, Acts chapter 2, filled with the Holy Spirit. Revival started to happen in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Consequence, persecution began. Upon the persecution, the Jews had to go in exile, if you will, and leave their homes because of fear for their lives. So James feels the urgency of writing to the scattered folk who had to leave Jerusalem because of their faith. I want you to get this. Run, they are running for their lives because of their faith. They are being persecuted because of what they believe about Christ. So those of us who think that salvation is the equivalent of success and victory. I feel bad for you because you're going to have a theological debacle within yourself trying to reconcile this Jesus who someone told you come to him because if you do all of your problems will go away. And that's a, that, that, that's a hard life to live. So James writes this circular letter. In an effort to reach the tribes that were scattered, and he tells them peace. While they're sojourning, while they're in exile, while they're running away, he tells them peace. And then he says, verse 2 My brethren, counted all joy. When you fall into diverse 
of various tribes. I think this is the only person that has used these two words in the same sentence. He uses joy and trials in the same sentence. Every time I mention the word trial, I'm like, oh, God, can you pray for me? I'm going through a trial. Oh, Lord, let me tell you, it's just crazy. I'm being attacked on all sides. It's just horrible. The devil's been attacking me and attacking me. And attack. And every time I, I'm talking about my trials, it's always from a negative connotation. And when I'm talking about joy, oh, the joy, man, let me tell you, I opened the mailbox yesterday and I opened the, my name was on a check. And when I opened the check, oh, my God, I went shopping. We, we, we always connect joy with positive things and trials with or two negative things, but James says he puts two words that are in polarity with each other, and he says, have joy in the middle of trials. And that's where God wants us to be as people. That we can grow in God to the point that we're not interpreting trial as the devil is after me. But the wicked counted, he says, what he says, counted all joy. Put that scripture up. Counted all joy when you fall. He says, I want you to rejoice every time you fall. Pat, hallelujah, praise the Lord. He says, counted all joy when you fall. In various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith hmm, counted all joy in the midst of your trial. Let me ask y'all a question here this morning. Has anyone here have ever had any drama in their lives? I'm talking about. Drama. I'm not talking about not, you know, or, or, yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about the Kardashians drama. I'm not talking. I'm talking about drama. Drama in your marriage. Every time you see him, you want to hit him with a refrigerator. Drama. I'm talking about drama. Your daughter's wayward, coming whenever she wants, hanging out with God knows who, doing who knows what, and you're just Lord, Lord. Just drama. Your finances, drama in your finances. You so broke, you can't even pay attention. I'm talking about drama. <laughs> it's just drama. I mean, it, 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 I'm talking about drama, drama to the fullest, from the biggest to the simplest thing. Even, even the simplest thing, you got to go to the bathroom, and you go to the bathroom, and after you do the bathroom, then you realize you ain't got no toilet paper in the bathroom. Drama, that's drama. Has anybody have, ever had drama in their life? Drama. And if you, don't, if you ain't never had no drama... That's because you are drama to other people. And that's another message. <laughs> Woohoo! Everybody has had trials. 
Matter of fact, trials has keys to everybody's house in this place. He comes in when he wants. Sometimes he stays as long as he wants. Trials come uninvited. They don't need it. Trials don't need invitation to come to your house. They just barge in. And those trials we call drama. But James says, <clears throat> he says to count the drama as joy. Now, to count in this verse means to put in consideration the drama. Put that in the column of what you interpret as God's favor over your life. Well, let me explain. What, what, what James is saying, you can't have two lists. A good list and a bad list. No. He says, count it all in one list. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Count it all. And after you count it all, he says, count it joy. Count it all joy when you go through diverse temptations. Now, the question is, when do I count it all joy? When? The scripture says, when you fall. See, some of us, we like to count it after God makes a way. Oh, let me tell you, child, the Lord was good and, and, and I was struggling, but God made it. No, but the writer is saying, in the middle of your falling, right there, count it all joy, right there. In other words, don't wait for the miracle to happen to give God praise, but in the middle of your crisis, right there, count it all. Start rejoicing in the Lord, giving God thanks in the middle of your hell. Count it all joy when you go. I like that. I like this part. When you go or fall into various trials, when you go through trials. Let me keep reading. Verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces, someone say patience. But let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect. The word perfect is mature. To be a person of character. That you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. And if anyone of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But here's how you ask. But let him ask in faith. That's why your trials, I feel like preaching, your trials, look, verse 3, the testing of your faith produces patience. And you're going to need that faith so that when you ask him, verse 6, you got to ask in the faith that produces patience. He says, but let him ask in faith for no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. 
For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Touch your neighbor, tell him, your faith will be tested. And I want to start off by saying the following truth. How many of you guys want to be blessed? Okay, okay, thank you, thank you. Let me say this. The blessing does not rub off on people. The blessing is not contagious. Oh, oh, Pastor, I just want to hang out with you because I want your blessing, I want your anointing. You can't have my anointing, boo-boo. You can't have my blessing. This is not a rubbing on a lamp and a genie's going to come out and bless you. This is not how this works. This doesn't happen by means of association. The blessing doesn't come. <laughs> the blessing doesn't come because you know pastor. The blessing doesn't come any other way than this one. The blessing, write, write this down because you, you know, the blessing comes by living life in principle. The blessing comes by living life in principle. So you must live your life by principles to obtain and maintain the blessing. Some people live life by principle till they get it. And once they get it, they stop living principle living. And now they can't maintain what God gave them. Some people got the blessing because they live life in principle. And the moment they caught to the blessing, they did away with the process to get it because they feel now that they got it, they got it. But it's not enough to have it. You got to maintain what you got so that you don't lose your crown. You got to maintain it. So living life in principle will allow you to obtain it, but it will also allow you to maintain the blessing. When I think of blessing in scripture, I think of Abraham. Abraham. In chapter 12, God tells Abraham, I will bless you. You will be a blessing. I'll bless those that curse you. But, but prior to that, God tells Abraham a phenomenal scripture. He tells him, Abraham, I want you to leave. That's what he says. Leave your land. Leave your kindred. Leave the house of your father and go into a land I am going to show you. He says, I'm going to give you the blessing which is so big that you can't even count the stars. And just like you can't count the grain of sand in the beach, so will your descendant be. But here is, here is the prerequisite of getting that blessing. You got to live life in principle. And here's how you do that. Leave your land. Leave your kindred. And leave the house of your father. 
What do these things represent? To leave land in scripture meant to leave your wealth. Why? Because land ownership was the basis of wealth and stability. And so God is telling Abraham, if you want to be blessed by my standards, you've got to be willing to relinquish and do away with what you consider to be blessed from your standards. What God is telling him is, I don't want you, Abraham, to associate me with anything material as your strength while you are walking with me. Get away with it. Then he says, leave your kindred. Land represents wealth. Kindred represents your environment. Why? Because we become the environment of where we come from. Pastor, that, that's just the way I am. My mother used to say it like it is, and if you don't like it, I'll say it like it is. God is saying, get rid of that junk. Where well, I want to take you, Abraham, you can't take your background and your history and how your mama was and how papa was. Where well, I'm going to take you, you got to get away and do away with that. Abraham, God tells him, if you manage to do this, I will take you to a land that will flow milk and honey, and I will show you that land. And then he says, and leave the house of your father. Why does he say leave the house of your father? Was, was God trying to dismantle a family unit? No. Because when Abraham left, Abraham's father left with him. But so he wasn't telling him to divorce his relationship with his dad. What he is telling him is, I want you to get rid of the upbringing mentality as a child. I want you to do away with the things that developed you as an early child because, because it is at an early stage that they teach you arithmetic and the elementary. He says, I want you to do away with that format of thinking because the way, the way I operate, I don't operate two plus two equals four. The way I operate, zero plus zero equals a hundred because I don't need nothing to make something happen. So I want you to do away with your wealth. I want you to do away with culture. I want you to do away with your upbringing. And I want you to live a life in principles and obedience. And I promise you, if you live in principles, every day you live, you will live in the blessing of the God that has called you while you were still an heir of the Chaldeans. Listen to me. God today is challenging us to live life principles now why is this important church because the more you live in principle the less you need miracles the more you live in principle the less you are after miracles Pastor, I need a miracle in my finances. You'd be surprised how if you live in principle with your finances, you would never be broke. I ain't got to pay the rent. I yeah, but you went to JCPenney and you're ordering online and you're buying the latest shoes and you're buying the other thing. And now you want me to pray for you. I ain't praying for your finances. Work with your finances and establish principles of... Pastor, 
Can you pray for me? My cholesterol is up the roof. But you just had a pastelillo and a capuria and Kentucky fried chicken. If you live life in principle, you don't need a miracle. So when people ask me, Pastor, I need, I need a breakthrough, I need to ask, how's your living? How's your living? I know you for 20 years and you're still broke. I don't get it. And you've gotten promotions, raises, and you're still broke? You don't need a miracle. You need to apply principles. If you, listen, you would be surprised how effective and victorious your life, that's what your life will be the moment you start applying principle living in your life. Listen, the only time I am afraid of my enemies is when I am not walking in principle. But as long as I'm walking in principle, I have no fear. Well, why did David say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow and of death, I will fear? Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because he is a lamp unto Why? When you start walking in principles, you're not afraid of your enemies. When you start walking in principles, you can apply this scripture that says, and the God of peace will surely put the devil under your footstool. When you start walking in principles, you are not afraid because you know that as long as you live life in principle, the angel of the Lord encamps around them that love them and protect text them. But if I'm always afraid of my enemies, then I got I to gotta question my principle living. What happens when I walk in principle? Because let me, let, 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 let me just say this. When you walk in principle... You don't get hype when you see a miracle. Because people who walk in principle, miracles are normal to them. So, hey, I just want to say, the Lord healed me. About time. When, listen to me, and I'm going to explain this because there's a polarity to this. When, 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 when you live life in principle... You don't get excited over miracles. Because what is a miracle? Hopefully y'all read my book, right? What is a miracle? A miracle is when God does a divine intervention in a normal stance, right? That's a miracle. God comes in, steps in, and then you go back normal. That's a miracle. When you live by principle, God is always there. Because he always blesses principle living. So, 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 I'm supposed to be blessed. Now, I didn't say not having problems. I'm supposed to be blessed because I live by principle. So, if I'm blessed by living by principles, then that means 
that every day I walk is a miracle. And miracles for us is big. But listen, listen, listen. When God performs a miracle, you know how we, you know we get hyped when God does a miracle. Oh, my God. Look what God did. God don't be like, oh, my God, look what I did. I'm so annoyed. Look, God don't get hyped on miracles because miracles to God is normal. It's normal. So when you have God in you, you don't get excited over what he does. You just rejoice and grow in faith as he does what he does simply by living in principle. This is me. So the blessing doesn't come by rubbing off on somebody. The blessing comes by living in principle. You want to be blessed, start living in principle. You want to be blessed. Pastor, can you, can you pray and scream and spin in my face? No, no. You, you want to be blessed? Live life by principle. Listen to me. Y'all said take my time. So what happens when I walk in principle? And the enemy comes in my circle. <laughs> okay. People who live life by principle, God wants to orchestrate miracles. But miracles are normal for those of us who live by principle. So how does God make a miracle if miracle is normal? I'm excited. Okay. Okay. People, people who, who, who are not living by principle, they get a miracle. The lady with the issue of blood. That was a miracle, right? If I only touch that miracle, miracle, that was a miracle. Now, 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 for those of us who live in a constant miracle, how can a miracle happen to those of us that are living in miracles? At what point do we say, oh, this is a miracle? If miracle is all I know. So, so here's how God does miracles for those of us who live in constant miracles. Are you ready? He allows the devil in your life. Don't quote that, please. Don't post that on the internet. <laughs> Let me say this. Let me explain it. Let me explain it. So what happens when I walk in principle and the enemy comes into my life? God uses the enemy to give me revelation of God's purpose over my life. I, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you my first example. I got three and I'm done. The first one was a man who lived in principle. His name was Job. He was a perfect, read Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job who was an upright, righteous, holy man apart from sin, right? And then the Bible says that the day that when the men came to present themselves before the Lord, the devil showed up, and look at what God says to the devil. God says to the devil, have you not considered my servant Job? He is righteous. What is he saying? Job is a man that lives by principle. How do I know he was a man that lived by principle? Because every day of Job's life, he would pray to God. Every day of Job's life, he would sacrifice for his children. Every day of Job's life, he would 
to prepare an altar, which was a type of prayer. Every day of Job's life, he would do sacrifice and intercede on behalf of his children. This, is, this was not something that Job would do two hours before service started on Sunday. Every single day, he lived in principle. Every single day, he was sacrificing. Every single day, he was praying. Every single day, he lived by principle. Consequence, he had wealth. Consequence, he had oxen. Consequence, he had sheep. Consequence, he had children. When you live life in principle, you don't get hype on the blessing. You just want to stay connected to the reason why you're blessed. And every morning, you're pursuing the God who has allowed you to live the blessed life. Now, Job wasn't waking up in the morning and saying, well, look what the Lord has done. I got a sheep. I got a cow. I got a donkey. I got a monkey. I got a lizard. I got a donkey. No, no, no. No, no. To him, that was normal to be blessed. So God says, devil, there's a man that lives in principle with me, so much so, that I want to show him a miracle. So I need you to go in his house and tear it all up. Because the Bible says, the Bible says, the angel of the Lord encamps around them, who fear him, and he protects them. Now, if that's true, well, that verse is telling me that the devil can come in my circle. Can I get an Amen. If the angel of the Lord encamped, encamped means he is surrounding me everywhere I go. He is, he, there's, there's a circumference of protection from God all over my life, behind me to the right, to the left, and forward. So anywhere that ever the devil tries to come, I am surrounded by God's glory. I am surrounded by God's presence, which means that the devil can't come to me because in order to come to me, he's got to go through God. And last time he went to God, God could them out of heaven so he ain't got no power in my life as long as I live in principle so this God says Job I want you to see a miracle so here's what I'm gonna do I got a protection over you but I'm gonna get Mr. Devil who cannot go through and the miracle is gonna be that even though he can't go through I'm gonna make him go through and in the middle of his attack you're gonna see my faithfulness in the middle of your crisis God lets the devil in. And y'all know the story. And for those of you that don't, he kills his children. His animals die. There was an earthquake and it, it killed all of his children. He got a disease in his body. In less than 24 hours, he lost everything. But he was living in principle. And then his wife said, Papa, why don't you just curse God and die? And what does Job say? Shall we accept the good of God and not the bad? See, see, principle living says, no, 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 no. God was good to me when I had it all. And God is still good to me when I have nothing. And that's when he says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you live life at that level, you can welcome trials and you can welcome the attacks and say, they were good for me that I was afflicted. That's why James is saying, count it all joy. 
And then we see another guy in the Bible by the name of Joseph. Read Joseph. Book of Genesis. There is not one verse in the Bible that talks negative of Joseph. Not one. As a matter of fact, Joseph in Hebrew, Jesus in Greek is the same name. Savior. You know what I'm saying? Joseph lived in principle. Integrity. He had a dream. And what happened? His brothers hated on him because he was blessed. They got you never tell him, don't hate me. Tell him, don't hate me. His brothers hated on him because he was blessed. What did his brothers do? Sold him as a slave. His, I'm not talking about his cousins. I'm talking about his brothers. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, neighbor, neighbor Shaquan or second floor. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, I, 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 no, I'm talking about my, my brother betrayed me. Betrayed him. And from that betrayal, sold him into slave, he went to Potiphar's house, and now a lady tries to scandalize his testimony by the name of Potiphar's wife. Puts him in prison, ends up in jail. And in jail, he starts interpreting dreams to the point that now he becomes the second in command of Egypt. And the thing got so bad out there that it was, everybody was so hungry that foreigners were coming to Egypt to get some food. And in that coming to Egypt, his 11 brothers that betrayed him came for food. If Joseph would have been one of us, And those 11 brothers come in for food. Uh, uh, listen, listen. Uh, there's 11 guys over there. See over there? I want you to go get rat poison and put it on the food. Right? Because these guys. Joseph didn't do that. The Bible says that Joseph cried. But, 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 but this is the power of principle living. Joseph never got angry with God. In every stage, God allowed him to go through, although he was a man living by principles. And at the end of the day, when he's standing before his brothers and he reveals himself because he, 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 he had camouflaged himself that his brothers didn't know who he was. And then he finally unveiled himself. He says, guys, it is I, Joseph. They all were afraid that he was going to kill him. He said, y'all don't understand this, guys. But what you guys meant for evil, God meant for good. And what does he do? He restores his brothers. And it is Joseph and his 11 brothers that become the 12 tribes of Israel, who now becomes the nation of, of Israel until this day. Imagine if Joseph would have killed those 11 brothers, there would not have been no Israel. But when you live life in principles, you understand the trials of life. See, 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 see. When, when, when I go through struggles, the number one question I have to ask myself is this. Am I going through this mess because I am living a life with no principles? And if I am, well, then I'm living out the consequences of my decisions. Deal with it. Or... Am I living life based on God's standards for my life? And if I am in the trials, come, then I'm going to do what James says. I'm going to rejoice in the middle of our trial because it's going to grow my faith and give me patience to be strong in the Lord. And by the way, if I need wisdom to understand the trial I'm in, he says, ask the Lord and he will give you the wisdom and the patience. 
Now, this is important, church. I want us to live life in principle. Living in principle will ultimately display God's plan for our lives. Who is Israel? Jacob's sons and his siblings, Joseph's siblings. He had more than enough reason to kill his brothers, but he didn't do it. So what do I see in James? What do I see in Abraham? And what do I see in Joseph? Because these three guys understood something that they're trying to tell us this morning. And that is that blessings is not the opposite of trials. Because I'm blessed, I shouldn't deal with trials. That's not what he's saying. Blessings is not the opposite of trials. But trials is what God uses to grow my faith as I live principle living. As I walk in principle living. Now, why should I live my life based on principles? And I'm closing. Why? Because it is the way we can live a victorious life in the middle of our trials. So I ask you, church, can you count it all joy? Can you count it all joy when you lose your family? Can you count it all joy? Can you count it all joy when you get sick in your body? Can you count it all joy when you lose the house of your dreams? Can you count it all joy when your children go crazy? Can you count it all joy? Because every time you count it all joy, it is your way and my way of embracing God's will over our lives. Now let me show you the effects, and I close, of the tribulation when you live life by principles. What are the results of living by principles when trials come? Here's what happens. Number one, it builds your patience. Verse 3 says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And I'll tell you, church, you don't know if your faith is real until it goes through the test. You will never know how real and authentic your faith is until you go through the moment of your fire. And so I want to encourage you to tell you, your faith will be put through fire, church. And that does not mean that God doesn't love you. And that does not mean that God has a bad, a bad, uh, 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 a bad spirit up in heaven looking who to hurt. No, 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 no. It's God's way of testing your faith and growing you. God doesn't tempt your faith. He tests your faith. God does not tempt your faith. He tests your faith. So it builds your patience. Number two, it builds your character. Verse four says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, mature, and complete, lacking absolutely nothing. Why? Because it builds your faith. It builds your level of maturity. And it does away with inconsistency, which is why he concludes saying that a, man, a double-minded person is unstable in all of its way. So church, as you rise to your feet, I ask you, are you counting it all joy? 
I want you to touch your neighbor and tell him, start counting, start counting, start counting. He says, count it all joy, not after, not before. He says, count it all joy when, which means now. In other words, start counting in the middle of the current trial all that the Lord has done in your previous trials so that the more you count on the trials, the more your faith will grow. So I want to pray. For those of you who like Job, like Joseph, and like the 12 tribes that were scattered in the book of James, those of you that are going through tribulations and trials and you've been saying God but I've been doing the right thing I've been trying to live right I've been honoring you my God but, but now the Lord has opened your eyes to understand the reality of your of your of your predicament to be able to say Lord give me the capacity to have joy and trial and reconcile those polarities to have joy in all things that's the power of the gospel that's it it's not that we walk in in clouds and halos is that in the middle of our tribulation we can say weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning it's the capacity to say that these lighter afflictions will not compare itself to the coming glory we hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.